Okay. So I'm pretty sure I've collected my thoughts to the point I can collect no further. I think. Alright, and here we go. So, welcome to my podcast, Adventures of Atlas. I am your host, Sarah. Um, so the reason for this lovely podcast and why you get to listen to me talk to myself is I've been told by a lot of people I've met in my life that I should write a book and quite frankly, who has time for that? A little bit about who I am. I am a big muddled mess of everyone I have ever met. I am a collective jar of every experience and thought that has ever flitted across my brain, and none of me is original. But the combination might be, and maybe in some way said combinations can offer some insight to something, shed some light, whatever, give you some good laughs, who knows, something, something to that extent. The point is, we're gonna have a real good time, no matter what I'm talking about, so, um, themes, discussions, topics, uh, this whole thing's a growing experience for me. I have no clue what I'm doing. I literally woke up the other day and was like, I'm going to make a video channel. And I was like, oh God, I don't want to stare at myself for hours. So I was like, you know, I hate my voice. Why don't I just listen to it for hours? That'd be better. Um, themes, discussion topics, like I said, life experiences. I've gone through a lot of stuff um, in my short 29 years, everything from graduating high school early, I was homeschooled super early, went from like super quick breeze through my background, if you will, give you the the, uh, cleft notes on my life, um, grew up to a super religious family, um, homeschooled through ninth grade, parents split up, 14 years old, I was diagnosed with depression, had my first stint in a mental health facility. Then I went, I moved in with my father. Um, Parents officially divorced. And then um, I began attending public school for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. I graduated right after I turned 17 years old, promptly went to community college, and realized that I did not want to be in the restaurant industry for the rest of my life, as well as attend classes full-time. So, I did what every other kid does when they see no other option in life to find a way out of their hometown. They join the military. So, I joined the USAF. Got super high scores and pretty much could have done anything I wanted. I was too short to be a pilot, so we chose explosive ordnance disposal. Who doesn't want to blow up bombs, man? And I was told there was going to be a lot of Call of Duty, like, in that process. So, I mean, it was a win-win for me. So, long story short, that didn't work out. And come back, lots of waitressing. Um, lots of in and out of school due to my mental health. Uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure, at some point. Then, um, lots of different life experiences. All different types of people I've managed to meet at the different places I've worked. Um, things I'm passionate about. Animals, horses, horses, oh my god, I've been in love with horses since I was little. Yeah, I'm that weird, like, art weirdo horse girl. Like, that's the worst combination, too. Like, not only are you going to get made fun of for being, like, that weird art freak, like, you're also a horse girl. And I was homeschooled, so, and, like, you, there was no winning for me. 
other things I'm interested in, history, religion, culture, all these things, psychology, I got a list somewhere else, but it's like, I think it's towards the end of my notes, and I'm not trying to jump ahead of myself, which I tend to do, I digress a lot, so I'm just going to try to give you as much information compacted in this nicely wrapped, tight little box, and just make it look real pretty, but it might be messy, we'll see. Two things I can guarantee in every episode is my, <laughs> what did I dream last night? This is uh, recommended by my, one of my best friends, Carter, um, so if you guys don't like it, I'm blaming her. I've tried to keep a dream journal many, many times, but my dreams are so, they're so detailed and so there's so many layers to them and it's really weird how they work that, um, it's, it's very hard describing them, writing them down and it's, it's much easier for me to do it verbally. So I will have a dream session that, um, before each episode right now, it will be at the end of it for today, but normally it'll be at the beginning. It'll be called the Sandman Chronicles. Look that up. That's allowed. Um, if anyone knows the song, this, uh, Mr. Sandman, the first line is, bring me a dream, or, you know, after they say Mr. Sandman, but, uh, yeah, so a little fun play, because I love that song, um, then the next little bit that I can guarantee, because I love the English language, is our little word of the day, uh, my friend Meg, who is a Latin teacher, may shoot me for my improper pronunciation, the segment will be called Sapere Ade, which in Latin means dare to know, because let's face it, some of us don't really know enough English words as it is, so why don't we dare to broaden our views, horizons, vocabularies, etc., etc. So I'm going to sneak that bit in for you. That will also be towards the end of the episode today. A little disclaimer I want to add in, I am not a medical professional. I do have a lot of experience with my own personal journey in the mental health field. I did go to college um, and get through some classes through psychology. I also went uh, a couple semesters for art therapy. So I've taken many uh, classes on every range of mental health issues. I've also done because of my diagnosis, which I will eventually get to, I have done plenty of research because I think the strength is in, I believe there is strength in knowledge. And when you have, uh, you're given a name to your demons in a way, look it up, man. Like research is power. Like words are power. The more you know about a subject, like you become the master, like master of your feet in a way, I guess. But, so I do a lot of research. I tend to steer away from, you know, those those first few websites that'll pop up when you uh, look them up on the internet. You know, the ones that can be edited by anybody. So a lot of my sources tend to be, um, like, doctor journals and, uh, like, websites that are more geared towards scientific studies and things that they've done like that and trust me I've put in the research if something that I say in a segment is incorrect and you're pretty positive of it prove me wrong dude like no sweat off my back like um if uh I'm wrong then I'm wrong like and also there's so many different um kinds of studies done in different areas of the world that some can have different conclusions than others, so not saying we're all wrong, like, some can just be different. Also, being, like I said, I'm not a medical health professional, I do, I have been in therapy a majority of my life. I've seen multiple therapists, I've done the um, dialectical behavioral therapy, which is the DBT, I've done um, the cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, I have done workbooks and workshops, and uh, those were pretty common when I started when like when I started getting into therapy. Those were the big push for certain things I was 
diagnosed with and they've made really, really remarkable changes in the types of therapy that they give people and well, I'm sure I'll get into a segment of the history of how therapy has progressed because obviously we're not sticking it to Freud anymore, but uh, I do find a lot of herbal remedies, uh, natural treatments, holistic med- medicines, like as in drawing from the earth, like yeah, if you're not on antidepressants, and but you are like seeing a doctor i don't see anything wrong with asking about taking saint john's but like i said knowledge is power little tidbit if you're on antidepressants saint john's war will counteract those and not be very good so you need to you know if you're gonna dose yourself with some plants you still need to know if they're gonna counteract your uh store-bought serotonin which hey that's just as good around here I am also on top of being, like, super avid, super supportive of mental health, spoonies, etc. Um, I have some random health issues that I'm sure I'll talk about. Also, my experience, um, my current partner is experiencing a lot of things with, like, a kidney transplant and stuff, and I cannulate him for dialysis multiple times a week so we're going through that whole process of trying to find transplant you know kidney transplant and all that stuff so I'm sure I'll get into that at some point but that's my life and if you don't know what cannulate means look it up because I don't want to gross anybody out it's c-a-n-n-u-l-a-t-e and then uh I am also a huge supporter of the LGBTQ, I think I got the letters right, I should, like, I feel really bad, I should know more of the letters, um, I did for a while consider myself pansexual, I now just consider myself sexual, and I just like people, so, um, yeah, that's a thing, anyways, back to the point of today, the origins of my podcast. The history of the name of my podcast, um, it is Adventures of Atlas. The name Atlas has really stuck with me for many, many years. Um, it became a thing in 2012, and I'll share that story in a little bit. A little backstory on the name Atlas and the term Atlas. So the name comes from, hold on, I did of course mess my notes up here because I jumped ahead of myself. So a lot of y'all will know Atlas as in the Greek myth. He is, this is from Encyclopedia Britannica, which by the way is actually edited by smart people, as in people who are paid to edit the page, not people that just edit it for fun and write whatever they want to. So Encyclopedia Britannica describes him as the son of of Titan Iapetus, uh, people are going to kill me for this, and the Oceanid Climon, who's also known as Asia. His brother is Prometheus. I'm sure y'all have heard that name many, many times. He is Prometheus is the creator of humankind. So in Homer's Odyssey, which is a pretty common, uh, pretty well-known book, Odyssey, whatever you want to call it, written creation, um, Atlas is, he's described as this like marine creature that holds the heavens and the earth separate from each other, kind of like pillar, like he's a pillar coming out of the ocean, and he's set at the far more, far, bleh, <laughs> furthermost corner of the ocean. Then later, they change the name to refer to the mountains in northwestern Africa. I'm sure you've heard of the Atlas Mountains, the Atlas Mountain Range. Um, because of that, um, 
he was th- from there, like being known as uh, the, the Range of Mountains. The story is that he was a king that was turned into a mountain um, and the hero Perseus punished him because he was like hin- inhospitable to him or something. And he took a Gorgon's head, which if you don't know, it's kind of like it's like Medusa. If a man stares at him, he turns him to stone. So essentially he turned this already like mountain king in mountain range king into complete solid mountain, essentially. Uh, So that is the Homer's Homer's Odyssey history of Atlas. Now, if you get into Hesiod's Theogony, he is a titan that in the war against Zeus, he was actually against Zeus, which, you know, nobody really wants to anger Zeus, so he ends up being punished for, you know, sticking it to the man, and his punishment is to hold up the heavens. Now, in classical art from the 6th century BCE, it is visually the heavens. Like, um, I'll get into why we know him as the man who holds up the earth, or the giant holds up the earth in a little bit. Then later, he's known as the titan to hold up the celestial globe. Oh my god, I couldn't read my writing for a second. The celestial globe in the Hellenistic Roman art. So, if you've seen, like, um, some of the different statues that have been made representing him throughout the age, if it's the spheres that he's holding, that is the Helen- there, sorry, the celestial globe, and that is completely different from the heavens. It, it is essentially what we know, what was the known universe at that time, really just the little bit of the Milky Way was the celestial heavens and the heavens before that that we thought were literally the clouds and like the blue sky that we can see and that's what he was separating essentially if you read genesis it's when god created the firmament firm oh my god i can't words today the firmament he separated the firmament from the sea i believe is a phrase god i'm throwing that in there so if you quote me on this, like, I, I knew my Bible pretty well. Watch me get one thing wrong, and that's the only thing I don't have written t- down today. So you bet I'm going to look that up later and, like, kick myself for that. So the reason we know a collection of maps, that big giant book that sits on your coffee table that, like, you don't open, but you just stick there to look smart, um, the reason it's called an atlas has to do with the fact that it, like, the Atlas Mountain Ranges, we know him as, like, he has a lot to do with geography, where you are at your place in the universe, et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, he held the space up between there. So that is why they ended up using that name for the book that, you know, holds all the maps. Also, little fun tidbits I have to share. Um, on top of, this isn't the only thing, it gets even better, okay? If you've ever heard of, I'm gonna mispronounce your name, I re, I, I know it, Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, however you would like to say, Miss Rand, um, a lot of people don't like her because of her political beliefs, etc., etc. If you just look at her as a freaking author, and just read this one book, her last novel, 10 million copies sold, Atlas Shrugged, dude. I'll get to you, I'll get to it in a second, why this is important and so impactful in my life. Anyways, I digress. Fun tidbits. The first legendary king of Atlantis was named Atlas. I love all things Atlantis. The fact that, like, not only is it a great cartoon, like, absolutely amazing, But just the whole story and the fact, like, I've watched documentaries about this, that there are actual places, I believe it was Homer, great, I'm straying from my script again, Um, he actually found a place that they believe is under the sea, that they think there was a giant tsunami 
that washed away uh, this country in somewhere like in Greece almost. I did watch that on a documentary. I'll get back to you about that one day because I love Atlanta so much. We will have a decent amount of podcast time dedicated to that. Now, another fun tidbit. The reason I brought up the book Atlas Shrugged before I actually got to it. If you have read the book before, you'll find these fun little tidbits a little titillating. There are multiple oil field services called or um, that use have the name Atlas in the title. Lol. Um, if you do eventually read the book, you'll get that, okay? Until then, I'm not going to tell you why that's funny. Then there's also a Dutch mapping company that uses the name Atlas in their company name. All right. So I'm backtracking on my little notes here. In 2012, I was in a real dark place. I made an attempt that landed me in a five-day coma in the hospital. I ended up being there for two weeks at like the regular hospital in a room before I ended up being in the mental health facility for, I wanted to say it was two months, but I think from going into the coma till the day I was, I guess, liberated from the facility was two months. The, because when I checked the dates for it, I was only actually in there a max of a month. We did a family check at two weeks and I still was not okay with the fact my plans had been foiled. So, anyways... I'm in the mental facility after this uh, crazy, crazy life-changing event, right? Um, I'm reading the book Atlas Shrugged because there is the main character, Dagny Taggart. A friend had told me that I reminded him of her and that I should read the book. So I was like, you know what? I'll go for it. So I, like I said, it was written in, I didn't say this part, it was written in 1957 by Miss Rand. I did say 10 million copies sold. It was a last novel. Also, all of this is off the Ayn Rand's organization, so you can uh, look that website up. These are quotes from it, um, just a little bit about the novel if you're interested in reading it. Quote, It is a mystery story, not about the murder of a man's body, but about the murder and rebirth of man's spirit. And another quote, dramatization of her unique vision of existence and of man's highest potential, end quote. So those are my... um, my pulled excerpts recommendations, if that phrase makes any sense. Anyways, so let me skip ahead to my actual, oh god, okay, here we go. Okay, so I'm in, fast forward a little, or we're back in the facility. I'm literally, they had these big windows, you couldn't sit in the window box, which was freaking stupid, because like, people would call and be like, hey, this person's trying to like, get out the window, really, If they're going to put, like, a window with a ledge of, like, two to three feet, how are they not going to expect you to, like, sit in that freaking window? Like, it was perfect for sitting in there and, like, reading books. But but anyways, Uh, so I'm sitting in a chair, my legs up on the window ledge, reading this book, and I come to a point in it, and I'm going to read it uh, verbatim. I've written it down so I don't mess it up. There are two important characters that are talking to each other. In this section, it is Francisco Denconia and Henry Reardon. All right, I will do my best. Quote, Mr. Reardon, said Francisco, his voice solemnly calm. If you saw Atlas, the giant who holds the world on his shoulders, if you saw that he stood, blood running down his chest, his knees buckling, his arms trembling, but still trying to hold the world aloft with the last of his strength. And the greater his effort, the heavier the world bore down on his shoulders, 
what would you tell him to do? I don't know. What could he do? What would you tell him to do? To shrug. After reading this quote, I literally dropped my feet to the ground, sat straight up, closed the book, and tears came to my eyes. And there's there's a number of reasons why. Uh, saying that has kind of stuck with me throughout my life has been like water off a duck's back. You know, kind of the idea that because of their feathers, like, the water just rolls off. It's this idea that you just let go of things, you try not to let things stick to you, the whole I'm rubber, you're glue, whatever bounces off me, sticks to you, whatever. Like, it's just this idea that you don't get so boggled down with things that don't matter. Like a duck, you just let it roll off. And to have it so beautifully worded in a way that completely, it it brought like the beautiful imagery of this, not only like this man, this person, but this, this great Titan, like this, this almost godlike like titans he was he was essentially like i mean obviously not as great as zeus but he was up there and yeah we say in the book it says earth but like he's literally holding everything like if you think about the weight of the world like people will always will look at you sometimes and say like you have so much weight on your shoulders, like, I can see you're carrying a heavy burden, and phrases like that, like, you're just going through a lot, uh, things like that, and to read it and hear, like, the harder you try, the more you try to carry that burden, the, the more effort you put into it, the more you're causing yourself pain. The harder you're trying to control your life, fit the pieces together, be a perfectionist, control everything, what have you, about your life, about your family's life, about your job, things you can't control, just everything, all into this image of a titan holding the literal world on his back. And basically telling him that the only thing that he could do was to let go of it and shrug it off his shoulders. Like, the book was basically a mic drop for me. Like, I I just... It blew my mind. Like, and that phrase has stuck with me enough to where I have used, like, Atlas Shrug for a handle for a really long time enough that I got the word like you know some people get like a little inspirational tattoo on their wrist well I used to struggle with self-harm for many many years and my little inspirational word was shrug and it was my reminder that instead of trying to control everything in my life through eating disorders or self-harm or you know my little perfectionism ticks and what have you just isolating from people and yada 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 just this idea that just let go and let be like the harder you try to control it the more out of control things are going to go like sometimes the best thing to do when your car's getting on ice is you know I'm not saying let go of the wheel but stop trying to overcorrect it, like, you're just, you're just gonna make it worse, so, definitely recommend the book, that quote's all you need from it, there are other great quotes, you can look them up, or you can just read the book, like I did, they also did make, like, a three-part film series, which, what really bugs me about, like, it's not a bad film series, but they didn't use 
any of the same actors throughout any of them, I don't believe. I think I watched parts one and two, and then by the third one, I was so done with it, I was just like, this upsets me. So, cannot say if I completely recommend the film series, but the book's great. Um, if you want to read it, I mean, uh, listening to books is also a thing, too, like in your car, so eventually that can be a thing. So, segueing into our, yeah, word of the day segment, Sapere Ade, Dare to Know. I didn't know that this kind of was appropriate, like, (laughs) really, really appropriate until I looked up the exact Latin definition of it, and it was actually kind of funny. So, our word of today is onus. O-N-U-S is the spelling. It is a noun from Oxford Languages. Definition is used to refer to something that is one's duty or responsibility. Now the Latin is mid-17th century. Literally means load or burden. So, one could say the world... uh, Okay, hold on. I gotta think this because I did not write it down. Um, that the world was the onus of Atlas? That just doesn't sound right. Anyways, um, if you've heard of the term burden of proof in law circles, etc., it it is onus probandi is the Latin for it. It is exactly what it means. Like, basically, it is your responsibility to prove something, 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 but it, you know, you get what I'm saying. First known use of the word onus was in 1626, fun fact. And those are my notes because (laughs) the next part is my dream. Not sure if I'm ready for this part. All right, number one, issue of the Sandman Chronicles. We're going to attempt to do this. Please bear with me because... This is all coming from a memory of what happened throughout last night. Mind you, I wake up multiple times and my dreams kind of piece themselves together. They're really freaking weird. I'll get more into, like, the science of dreams that I have, like, researched and stuff like this. Because I'm apparently in, like, the top 1% of people that have been researched and studied for being able to do certain things in dreams. Like, I might as well just say now. Um... It is actually a myth that you cannot read or read words or read clocks in your dreams. A small percentage of us can do it. Yes, we exist. Less than 1% of the entire population. I am able to read entire sentences. So if I want to figure out if I'm dreaming or not, grabbing a book or looking at a clock is not an option for me because they will appear perfectly normal. Also, that has to do with... Great. I'm going off script again. I was planning on getting the exact articles that I read this from because I actually read multiple scientific articles about this. There are two parts of your brain that, like, two regions. One starts with an A. The other starts with a W. It's like Warwick's region or something. And they both have to do with language and how associations and meanings are connected to words, etc., etc. Excuse me. Now, when you are sleeping, those parts of your brain tend to be shut down. The whole right-left brain thing, like, if you're an artist, you're right-brained. If you're more analytical, you're left-brained. Like, that's BS completely. That's been thrown out of the park because science has proven, once again, that it does take both hemispheres to do certain tasks, certain art, certain music, lots of different things like that. So that old antiquated idea of thinking that you're only using one part of your brain or your right brain dominated dominated, and all that kind of stuff, like, I'll look more into it to make sure I'm not uh, shooting you a load of crap. But for dreaming, at least, with these two regions, they are predominantly shut down in most people. And in the small percentage of people that they are not, they actually tend to be poets or 
they have something to do in their natural waking life where they are very involved with their language, be it English or whatever their native speaking language is. And basically they're just very good with words or have a way with words or uh, lots of um, knowledge of, I don't know, the freaking dictionary? Sure. Um, I used to read it all the time for fun. So when I used to write papers in high school, I absolutely hated using like the most common term for something. So I'd use the Sauruses a lot and look up the synonyms for things and delve way, way, way deeper into exactly looking for the the most precise word because as you get into synonyms I'm digressing here as you get into synonyms the very particular meaning of each word gets even more and more specific um let me backpedal a little bit because my brain just farted another thing that happens because those two regions of your brain tend to be shut down is that you don't have full conversations with people instead of like looking at someone and seeing like their lips move and words come out of their mouth people tend to communicate telepathically in their dreams or they'll get something similar to word salad if you're a um oh my god For someone that, like, has a little bit of a grip on the English language, words fail me quite often. So if you're at all... Wow, there's one word I'm looking for and it is eluding me really, really hard right now. Familiar. Ha. Wow. Okay. If you're at all... Talk about irony. If you're at all familiar with um, any form of the mental health uh, brain disorder, schizophrenia, or any of the schizo spectrum, word salad is where you can tend to just kind of speak words that don't make any sense. So an example that I read in the article was something akin to like, my sister handed me a porcupine and said, don't let it run away. It runs to, wants to run away. So the syntax and grammatical confirmation of the sentence is completely correct it just doesn't make any sense really in like what's going on like unless maybe she told us what the dream was about I don't know but uh so yeah you tend to communicate telepathically or have these really weird conversations with people if they do tell you about things Uh, With me, I will have full-blown conversations. Sometimes they're just sentences where I have really, like, crazy uh, revealing messages or something. But more often than not, it's just, like, normal conversations. My dream last night. Definitely had something to do with some Instagram scrolling that I had done. At like 3 a.m. when I woke up, I have someone I follow who is in the mental health capacity who has an affinity for serial killers. And one of the serial killers she had just posted some interviews with was Richard Ramirez. Anyway, so get back to the dream. Beginning of my dream, I am in a camper where my mother... And Richard Ramirez, the serial killer, from, I believe, the 80s, 1980s, uh, they're out, like, scouting the land because my mom is, in real life, she does, like, uh, she's, like, a therapy, physical therapy assistant or something, and in my dream, she was gonna start up her own law practice on this chunk of land from this camper to, like, help people with lawsuits and stuff. So they were scouting the land. So I'm in this camper with a bunch of random animals, okay, so I have my cat named Pup-Pup, um, full name is Kitty Kitty Pup-Pup, I did not name her, she came with that name, all right, and she knows it, so we're keeping it, um, I also have my bunny Maximus with me, who is my real-life pet, um, he is my little black ball of doom, 
Then I had a three-legged dog that I can only think is influenced from the Alice in Chains three-legged dog. Um, then there was Pearl, who is the English Mastiff of my old roommate Tabby. Shout out to Tabby and Pearl. Love you guys. Then Rupert was there. Rupert was my first love, my first black cat. I love him. May he RIP. So I have all them. And somewhere along the way, I managed to find a skunk. Some Somehow before I ended up in this camper. Okay. So the skunk is feral, obviously. And I'm really worried about her spraying me. She starts out looking like a normal skunk. And transitions through the story multiple times, but right now I'm just going to tell you, eventually by the time I leave the camper, she's albino. She is no longer black and white. So she starts out looking like a regular skunk, and throughout this time of day that I am left in this camper alone, I have to train her to stop attacking or to refrain from spraying me or the other pets that I have, and she's a little aggressive. Now mind you, I am for some reason sleeping or like placed on the floor of the kitchen in the camper that is also modeled after the home in the kitchen in the home I grew up in like the layout was the same and I somewhat have sleep paralysis in my dream on the kitchen floor so I'm very slow to move so the skunk she keeps attacking like she attacks Rupert and Rupert's like frail because he has all these health issues like he is diabetic and has had brain cancer, which legitimately has did happen in real life. Like, he straight had nine lives and he lived through every single one of them. Anyway, so she's attacking him and I thought she was going to kill him. And I was trying to, like, lift up my arm to get this flip-flop to, like, smack her. And it was just this real slow process of, oh my god, I'm freaking out my brain because my arm's not moving fast enough. I'm halfway paralyzed. Long story short, over the next couple hours, I get the skunk as she's turning albino to start or stop, I guess, attacking my other animals. And it gets to the point where when I have her in my kitchen, she'll hide under the refrigerator because apparently all the furniture was high enough to where the skunk could get under it. And then as she's under the refrigerator, I now have a badger that I don't know where this badger came from, but he is friends with a skunk. And together they hide under the refrigerator. And when I come in with a bag of treats, they jump out like they're playing hide and seek to scare me or whatever. And then she tries, like when I kneel down to give her a treat, she'll try to like scurry up my arm. And I was like, this is when I realized this once feral skunk within a few hours has somewhat tamed down a little. So... Then my, my dream transports me to a fishing boat where I am no longer me. I am now a young boy, which that's another thing that I'll get into. 85% of my dreams, I'm not me. I'm actually a different person or I am watching, like I'm a different person watching this like thing going on around me and I'm actually invisible. Anyways, I'll get more into that detailed later. So yeah, only about 15% of my dreams I'm actually am me, and I'm never like me now. I'm like me in the past, or me in the future, young me, etc, etc. Anyways, so I'm a young boy bringing my fishing boat onto land with my grandma. I had just gone fishing, and I have my pet skunk that is now albino that now no longer looks like a skunk. She somehow looks like a pig. And I also now have a giant frog toad that is like the size of a really fat, I don't know, he's basically the size of a pillow. He's huge, but he's really heavy. Like, so anyways, I was out fishing on this boat with my skunk pig and my toad friend. And my grandma shows up and we pull my boat, my little rowboat up to the sand. And I'm like, hey, grandma, if I leave my fishing pole in the sand, like, is that cool? I'll come back for it later. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. So I start following her 
and like my little my little animal pet friends are like running on the sand behind me and I'm following this like little um trail of like seashells up the shore to grandma's house and like grandma disappears and then all of a sudden I realize that poor oh oh wait hold on I missed a part someone asked me on the dock they're like hey is that a pig and I was like no she's a skunk but she's from Mississippi and apparently in Mississippi what they do is they like mark their cow or their cows wow I'm just adding more animals to this there was no cow there was no cow they mark their pigs with like these weird tattoos so she had like these green x's and o's or something pattern on the back of her skin I don't know dude she it was weird she still looked like a skunk but she had the snout of a freaking pig like she was still cute okay and she was albino anyways she was my friend, so I was like, yeah, she's from Mississippi, which coincidentally is where my dad was raised. He was born in Louisiana, but raised in Mississippi, so tribute that fact to that fact. Um, and I was like, don't worry, people get confused, but yeah, she's a skunk. And anyways, so after Grandma disappeared, I then realized that my little skunk pig friend her little hands have been burnt from the hot sand, right? Running on the asphalt trying to get to grandma's house. So I scoop her up and I'm like, this isn't good. We got to find somewhere for you to go. Now, then I realized that my giant, and she's not really heavy. Then I realized my toad friend's feet are also in pain. And out of nowhere, I've got like grandpa with me, grandpa Geppetto. I only call him Geppetto. I don't know his name, but he looked like a Geppetto real short and he's like no you don't got to carry him let's get a shopping cart and you got you can put him in there and I was like no no no, it's all right I'll carry him so I've got skunk pig in my right hand and toad in my left and skunk pig which like I could communicate telepathically to my animals she was trying to help me hold this like um plastic bag full of hooks from fishing and I was like careful don't hook yourself so we realized we needed to get to a hospital to tend to my animal pet's limbs, you know, because of my negligence on the hot sand. So by the time we arrived to this hospital, I am now holding a small, like, container of half a fish that, mind you, is alive. He is now also a pet, but I need, like, his back end sutured up because he doesn't have a tail. And I'm trying to explain this to the receptionist ladies, there's two of them, who very obviously have no idea where I got these animals, what kind of animals they are, and like, why did I bring them to a human hospital for help? So they're just looking at me like really crazy like, and then they go into the back to call the police, and Grandpa Geppetto and I realize this. And somehow they had managed to give us a receipt and upside down I remember writing like, haha, you'll never find this FUA holes. But then I wrote down like the name of the boat we were staying on. And then we're like, oh no, they're gonna see that. So I like crossed it out, like whatever. And then he was like, no, we gotta take it. And then we realized that I had written so heavily with a pen that we had to take like half the pad of paper so that they couldn't read through like the, oh my God, it was ridiculous. So anyways, uh, by the time we took half the pad, it got down to where you could see the indentation and it was said like for the love of something. I don't know. So we leave and as we're trying to get through this maze of a hospital, it turns into this church. And we go into this really tiny room that we think has like a stair step up around the corner that's going to lead us out. And the door shuts and I realize we're like locked in. And then all of a sudden, like I open this door to the inside and there's like, there's like this sliding door on the outside of the whatever we're in um, blocking us from getting out. And that's when I realized, like, shit's about to hit the fan. And, uh, <laughs> so we go up around the corner real quick, because it's a small room, and fire starts, like, coming up from these two pipelines, and then 
stopped. Then we run to the door and gas starts getting blown down. And we realize we're in a freaking oven, like to heat this huge church. And I hear organ music going off. And normally, like in real life, I kind of feel like I just lay over and die. But I had my pets and I had my grandpa Geppetto and I had to get out of there. So I started slamming this door repeatedly until I heard like the organ uh, players stop. And they're like, oh, wait, the door didn't seal shut. We got to open it. So they turned the fire off and the gas off. So we didn't go up in flames and they open it and they're like, how are you in our oven? And I was like, who puts an oven in a hospital and where did this church come from? And yeah, that's um, all I remember of my dream from last night. Sure, there was a little bit more. Um, There are more interesting bits. Trust me, they get more interesting than that. That one was just a little weird. Like uh, the one about Gabriel and Lucifer falling in love with with each other. That one's pretty cool. I'll have to do like a little playback and tell you about that one. That was a couple days ago, last week, sometime. I don't know. Um, The other day, that phrase for me can literally mean a few days ago, a few weeks ago to like last year. Time is relevant. It doesn't exist. You know, we're just floating through space. So, I think that's the end of it today. I ran out of paperwork uh, or like writing on my notes um that was before the dream segment I told you my dream um if you have questions comments I don't know just uh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna try to improve on this but this is just the this is just the baby steps in the beginning we'll see where this goes and uh Yeah. So if you've managed to make it to this part of the segment, which is literally just the ending, I want to thank you so much for sticking with me and making it through like 15 freaking minutes of me explaining to you my weird ass dream last night. And uh, they do get better and more interesting and... Um, Carter was just really concerned about how I got out of the oven. Um, so, you know, I had to explain that. Anyways, thanks for listening. Hopefully I'll have another one up soon. And, uh, we'll see what I dream tonight. And my next topic, I don't know, what shall it be? Mental health, Egyptian culture, the tight culture, culture, the Titanic. Who knows? Who knows? The world is my oyster. And there's a lot more to that saying, by the way. If you haven't looked it up already, you should. Google it.